Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Contact Monica at MonicaMatthews.com or on Twitter at MonicaOnAirTalk. Life, love, and liberty. It's Monica Matthews. Welcome back. I am back. Nice little couple of days of respite which is exactly what you need to defeat the coronavirus. (laughs) I'm not making light, but I kind of am because humor's as a medicine according to the Bible. And so I laugh a lot. I poke a lot of fun at various things and people and especially myself. So this morning I tweeted and got some response about, you know, uh, try not to fear. My producer tweeted something this morning from the morning show here in Atlanta about, you know, various measures to take, such as the obvious, like keeping your fingers out of your nose, your eyes, your ears, (laughs) your mouth. You know, we just we have no idea. We don't even keep up with how many things we touch, how many people, how many handles, just stuff throughout the day. Our phones. You know, we wash our hands, then we go right back to our telephones, our cell phones, a telephone. (laughs) I mean, can you even call your cell phone a telephone? I don't know. (laughs) But uh, those are the obvious things. But here's something that's not so obvious. Taking care of your immune system by virtue of what you take into your body via your ears and your eyes. Right? Our bodies are responders. So while half the country is looking at the president like, what are you going to do about the coronavirus, President Trump? <laughs> Which to me is like, I get it. You know, shut the borders. The Japanese have it right. <laughs> it's just like, shut it all down. Nobody's coming in. Nobody's getting out. I mean, that's not racist. That's not profiling. That's not cultural appropriation of eating monkey brains and bat soup it is what it is like no we're shut we're closed for business right italy right now i have a friend who was supposed to uh show his artwork there had a beautiful uh, or rather his his uh, photography had to cancel that because they shut it down they're like Mm-mm, nope nope this coronavirus stuff is a little out of control overseas right now. Of course, we haven't seen those numbers in the U.S. What is it? We have 60 people. I mean, the president, like, was really excited about the fact that, you know, there's very low amounts of people here, and even those people have overcome it. We may have had one death here. Am I right about that? Must be no deaths. Zero deaths here in this country. Okay, and he's very proud of the CDC and our ability to, like, stockpile things that we need. Uh, you know, in various sundries in our hospitals and clinics and schools. And, you know, here's a here's a no-brainer. Why don't you keep your sick kids home? If you're not feeling well, why don't you not go on the cruise? <laughs> why don't you not get, no, why don't you just skip that business meeting in New York? Like if you're just, if you're already feeling under the weather, 
It's your responsibility, not the government's responsibility, to keep you healthy. I know it's shocking. Some of you are aghast that I just said that. But it is your it is incumbent upon you as an individual to take care of your own immune system. We do have uh, plans of a much uh, on a much larger scale. Should we need that? Uh, we're working with states. We're working with virtually every state. Uh, and we do have plans on a larger scale if we need it. We don't think we're going to need it, but, you know, you always have to be prepared. I love the president. He's like the king of adverbs. <laughs> Everything's very, very, very super duper. <laughs> Over the last 10 years, we've lost 360,000. These are people that have died from the flu. The flu. what we call the flu. The hey, flu. did you get your flu shot? That's, I do not get my flu shot. And I'm going to tell you why. Don't you point your finger at me. The reason I do not get a flu shot is because my 88-year-old now gone on to be with Jesus' father was like, oh, why the hell would I give myself the flu? <laughs> and I know some of you are like, that's ridiculous. You sound like a homeschooling family. Well, I was. But I wasn't one of these no-vaxxer people. I, I'm not that person, but I am like, oh. Okay, considering that the flu strain is usually like a year behind the current flu, why would I get the flu shot? And I'm also not young and I'm also not old. I'm right in the middle. (laughs) I'm in the golden season of my life. So I try to take care of my immune system. What else did the president have to say? I do it a lot anyway, as you probably heard. Wash your hands. <laughs> stay clean. You don't have to necessarily grab every handrail unless you have to. You know, you do certain things that you do when you have the flu. I mean, view this the same as the flu. When somebody sneezes, I mean, I try and bail out as much as possible with the sneezing. I had a man come up to me a week ago. I hadn't seen him in a long time. And- He's like, I said, how are you doing? He said, fine, fine. He, hug, he hugs me, kiss me. I said, are you well? He says, no. <laughs> he said, I have the worst fever and the worst flu. And You're he's like... hugging and kissing me. <laughs> yeah, the president's like, what the? <laughs> Can you see that moment? <laughs> I love it. The president, God bless him, is known as a little bit of a germaphobe, and I'm not mad at him. You know, you do certain things that... You do when you have the flu. I mean, view this the same as the flu. When somebody sneezes, I mean, I try Don't and bail out as it. much as possible. I try to bail sneezing. out as much as possible. I love it. Well, sometimes you're at 42,000 feet going 460 miles per hour, and uh, and you can't bail out of the person next to you sneezing on your aircraft. There are precautions you can take. The number one precaution you can you can take is taking care of your personal health. And we forget that the things that we see, the people we surround ourselves with, the things we listen to, um, things that get us all fired up, your body is responding to that. Every time you get upset about something, there's a chemical reaction in your body. Think about that every time you tweet something. And like I tweeted yesterday about this poor six-year-old kid that apparently this happened back in November. I was not aware of that. But this six-year-old child was handcuffed and arrested. Well, she wasn't handcuffed. She was zip-tied and arrested uh, at her school. I'm not kidding. And when I saw the video for the first time, I was so blown away. I was enraged as a mother, as a citizen, as a what the heck, as a minister. I'm like, are you, as someone who's pro-law enforcement, 
uh, in pro, like, spank your own kids so the government doesn't have to, so we don't have to pay for their incarceration. I'm that parent. I'm that taxpayer. But I watched this, and I wanted to come through my screen and find that dude. Like, I was I was beyond angry, and I thought, okay, here it is. My blood pressure was up. My body's responding to this. Nothing's in homeostasis at that point, and homeostasis means you are at complete rest and balance in your body, your systems, all all of your 13 systems are are doing well. On a cellular level, everybody's humming along and happy. And for those of you who believe in frequencies and vibrancies and all of that, absolutely true. Absolutely true. Our bodies are electrical. They're chemical. They're sexual. They're, they're uh, made of dirt. <laughs> I mean, the Bible tells you that we're made of dust. We're nothing but dirt as it is. But we're complex balls of dirt, hunks of dust. So the best thing you can do is start paying attention. If you're if you're watching this coronavirus stuff unfold and you see pandemic, epidemic, death, the Chinese are coming to get us, liars, it's the government, it's biological warfare, all these things that you go, you you mock them and you think it doesn't have an effect on you, but you're taking it into your body. And the more you talk about it, the more it, it it manifests in the way of stress in your body. And why is that important? Because when you're stressed, your body cannot respond to things like a coronavirus in the way that it was designed and created to respond. Some of you are already dealing with autoimmune disorders and issues. You've got asthma. You've got Crohn's disease. I mean, you've got a lot of, you know, diabetes. Think of all the stresses that your body's already under with all of the prescribed meds that we're on. Think about that. I mean, we can't even get our guts right in terms of flora, which is where your entire immune system is housed, by the way, is in the seat of your spirit, which is in your belly. And most of us are, you know, popping antacids like they're Tic Tacs, or we've got, you know, we don't have enough acid, we got too much acid, everybody's on Prilosec, we're on, we're on something. You know, proton pump inhibitors, all this stuff, which taxes your kidneys, which taxes your liver, which taxes your body. You get a you get a virus that pops in to be like, I'm looking for an opportunity. That's what viruses do. They're opportunistic. Like some political people I know. <laughs> They're opportunistic. So don't give it an environment to rest in. Another thing, if you're traveling a lot, keep your mucous membranes um, moisturized. Uh, For instance, as you're flying at 42,000 feet in the air, start squeezing some of the nasal spray in there. The nasal passages are very important. Uh, Dry air, you know, dry places is where bacteria loves to and viruses love to just latch on to. And absolutely. And um, not good. Keep your nasal passages moist. Take some nasal spray with you. It makes it difficult for things to attach. Stay hydrated. Very simple things. You know, a lot of you are like just deserts. I mean, your bodies are like, you think you're hungry, but you're not. You're actually dying of thirst inside. So simple things. Hydration. Get enough sleep. If social media is something that you know gets your blood pressure going or it makes you sad, pay attention to how you're feeling when you're, I know you guys are like, oh, here we go with the feelings. But pay attention to how you're feeling. Because your body is responding. And take take control of your own health. Take responsibility for your own health, your mental health, emotional health, your physical health. 
I mean, that's, you know, we're all up in arms about people being on welfare and, and you know, people who are dependent upon the people and the government and uh, you know, my taxes pay for all that. And then I think about, you know, just how little responsibility and autonomy and sovereignty we actually exercise as, as individually, uniquely created human beings. It's true. It's true. So pay attention to the simple things. Now, some of you are getting ready for cruise season. I just had this conversation with my small group girls last night. One of them's like, oh, crap. What do we do? We're getting ready to book. A, we're taking a cruise and we're getting ready to leave. Well, Clark Howard has something to say about cruising and vacationing. We're traveling uh, on a cruise very soon. And we've been talking about that because the cruise ship people have been really disrupted. If you think about what's happened with the quarantines and ports turning ships away in the Caribbean this week, and we're going to go. Uh, you know, you have to live your life. If, if there was an imminent risk of danger, that would change how I feel about it. But there's not right now. Well, cruises will be on sale. <laughs> that is so true. This is the best time ever to book a cruise, as long as you're not concerned about being able to get back into the country. Because if one person on your cruise gets it, guess what? <laughs> Make sure, for God's sake, you book the room that's above the ocean level. <laughs> like, get a room with a balcony. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. If you're going to do cruising in spite of all of this viral viral stuff, and let me tell you, they're saying, they're projecting that it could get worse by summer's end before it gets better. Even though we may have a vaccination in the works by then, according to what I was hearing from the CDC yesterday during the president's presser. Um, but if you're going to be, if you're going to live your life, like like Clark just said, go live your life. If you're going to do that, then at least plan for the worst. And the worst thing that could happen on a cruise ship is that you're stuck in your cabin. And we heard from people who were, that exact scenario played out for them. And they were stuck on a cruise ship for, what was it, two weeks? They're stuck in their room for, like, some inordinate amount of time together. And the only saving grace they had, and they actually both ended up with coronavirus, um, the only saving grace they had was a balcony. That was their only, you know, and think about how many of you are like, yeah, you know, we're on a low budget. This is not the time to be low budget cruising. This is the time for you to, like, be a, a ball of shot collar with cruising and make sure that you're making it rain and so you're not stuck in your room plan for the worst make sure you're all loaded up you know i personally take uh juice plus and that's my plug for something that i do for myself i i'm not, i do not endorse juice plus other than the fact that i take it and uh studies have shown with people over the years who have built up an immunity with juice plus and with also just well-rounded comprehensive health care um enough sleep you know, less stress, exercising, eating well, uh, in conjunction with Juice Plus, you know, you find that, um, and it could be placebo. I don't know. For me, you know, I pop my Juice Plus and I'm like, okay, I'm not going to stress about this. I'm going to wash my hands. I'm a lot like the president, though. If I see you sneeze around me, I will legit walk around to another aisle. I do it all the time. If I'm in a store and someone sneezes near me, I'm like, mm, nope, that's like flushing the toilet. <laughs> I'm just going to like exit stage left, back out of the aisle, and go around the other way. I don't need to walk into the mist of your uh, germs. <laughs> so, But germ warfare 
if you remember nothing else of what I just said, germ warfare begins with your peace. It begins with your homeostasis on an individual level. Lisa says, bring Lysol in a Bible. Who's Lisa? Oh, Lisa on Facebook. Sorry, I can't see that. Bring Lysol and a Bible. Okay. Well, you can do that. I mean, are you going to like, <laughs> are you going to like use your Bible as like you're dealing with like, you know, the exorcist or you, uh, I mean, and I do pray those. Th- absolutely. It starts with the power of your spoken word for sure. So, and listen, you know why? Okay. Here's your Bible lesson for the day. Because the name of Jesus holds power over every principality, death, hell, destruction, illness, sickness, oft infirmities, every bit of it. Although oft infirmities will come to us because it's just a part of being human. You may get a common cold. This is not an oft infirmity. This is not a cold. This is, do you understand that I love, I love the study of viruses. They are literally intelligent beings. They're so intelligent. There's an intelligence there to the, to, the, to the extent that it can alter your body. It can alter you on a cellular level. What does that tell you? They communicate with each other. Tumors communicate with, and they, and they lie. Remember malignancy, malign, to lie about something is to malign it. Malignancies lie to your healthy cells. They disguise themselves. Viruses disguise themselves. They hunker down in places where your body's like, oh, you're one of us. (laughs) Think of it in terms of a political campaign. (laughs) Someone who comes in and says, I'm one of you, but they're really not. They're sent from the opposite team to destroy you, to destroy your efforts, to destroy your advancement ultimately to wipe out your campaign and your campaign as a as a healthy god-fearing individual should be to live a disease-free life and that is what god set up for us i came to heal all of your diseases and to forgive all of your sins every bit of it and so when you speak to those things around you And I do regularly. I speak to that death, hell, and destruction. I speak to um, the principalities at work in the earth right now. It's Ephesians 6 and 12. And even if it is biological warfare, even if it's man-made, that's still birthed from a principality of death, hell, and destruction. So the name of Jesus, thank you, Lisa, the name of Jesus is above all names, all coronaviruses, all herpes, all, you know, whatever virus you can think of, HIV. It doesn't mean you go out and tempt, you know, uh, it doesn't mean you live your life according to whatever, I'm going to jump off and God's going to save me. I'm just going to do free willy. You know, I'm going to live this uh, nasty, I'm not even going to say it because every time I say the term, or it's just gross, but it's a practice within certain communities of sexuality in in out in nightclubs and restaurants and bars that you're essentially having sex with someone through a portal and you don't see the other person on the other side that is called illicit like what the heck you're just opening yourself up literally for death hell and destruction with that type of illicit behavior it's very sad 
but your body is susceptible to, you know, there's a, there's only so many foreign things your body can take in at one time until it's like, whoa, what, 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 you know, it starts altering your immune system. I'm sorry. It's just the way it is. It's very simple biology. It's not an indictment. It's not a, it's not a, you know, condemnation. It is what it is. And I've, I just read something recently where George is like number five for older people's STDs. I'm like, what? I thought that was like a Florida thing. <laughs> so I'm like, wow. Okay. I guess it's because people think, you know, once they're way past menopause that nothing can happen. And I guess pregnancy was like everyone's greatest fear. But just think about that. You're joining yourself with someone else's body with all of their stuff, whatever their stuff is, and your body responds. And it's so simple. So, gosh, can you imagine our grandparents' stocking stuffers are going to be, like, <laughs> sponsored by Trojan now? I mean, what is going on? I just don't understand. <laughs> this is what we need, that stupid <laughs> used meme. The What is it? The um, the recycled uh, Trojan box that I had up on my Twitter, my Twitter account a couple of weeks ago. What was it? Pre-owned or pre... <laughs> I mean, there it is. What does it say? I can't read it from here. <laughs> pre-owned. Yeah, pre-owned Trojans. Just like, just, <laughs> like new. Ah! <laughs> it's so, it's such a joke, but it's like, hmm. Some of you guys are actually behaving that way. Stop it. Knock it off. <laughs> What's it say? Yeah, Trojan pre-owned. Really, Rickett? <laughs> What are we smoking? It's just like we have just got we've just gotten to a new level of depravity. But you know where that comes from? Oh, so here I go. This is my female side, my ministerial side. We're just so lonely. People are so lonely and people are so desperate. And it, it's not like you can say, well, I've got needs. Yeah, well, we all have needs, but, you know, the typical 65-year-old married wife isn't proclaiming she has needs. Actually, it's the husband going, man, don't you have needs anymore? And so I'm a little surprised that people who aren't married are, you know, doing the deed without using protection. I don't know what's going on. I don't know if it's the blue pill. You know, I a lot of people think we're just overly sexualized. I, I disagree with that. We're underloved. And that's just how it presents itself. So along those lines, I wanted to read something to you. I love this meme. I found it today and I put it on my Facebook page. And it says, when you finally learn that a person's behavior has more to do with their internal struggle than it ever did with you, you learn grace. That, isn't that beautiful? I just love that. It reminds me of what my late pastor taught us about separating the person from their sin. If you can separate the person from their sin, then you can still love that person with grace and with mercy. It doesn't mean that the consequences, we're, we're very punitive, right? We're very litigious. So we're like, what about the consequences? You know, we got to have this, I'll forgive you, but you're going to fry. Like, I'll forgive you while you're frying. 
that kind of, you know, attitude. And we can't even fathom. We think we can. I cannot. I personally cannot fathom the depth or the the width, the height of God's grace to this extent, that he would send himself down to this crappy place that Satan has just literally run roughshod over since that freaking, well, actually, since his fall, since his first campaign. He is the first politician, by the way. A lot of you are like, God doesn't care about politics. I never agree with that because I'm like, that's not true. <laughs> Lucifer was the first politician and he garnered a third of the vote. Stop it. And Jesus came here and canvassed. <laughs> so there, he was campaigning on behalf of the kingdom of heaven. And we're called to be canvassers in the way of creating more and more disciples every day. And one way we do that is this. When you finally learn that a person's behavior has more to do with their internal struggle than it ever did with you, you learn Grace, I just said this to someone yesterday. Something that I always lead with are questions uh, with people who have issues with others, you know, in relationships. It's always about relationships. That's why I have the three C's, communication, clarity, connection. You communicate for the sake of clarity in order to connect. And we live in a very broken world. Twitter does not help. Facebook does not help. Social media does not help. It doesn't help our relationship with our kids, their relationship with themselves, relationship with others, especially with God. It just doesn't help. We're broken and we're disconnected. And then we wonder how it is that we keep getting, you know, we're, we're very susceptible to things like a virus, corona or, you know, Schlitz malt liquor, whatever. We're susceptible because we are disconnected from each other. We're disconnected from ourselves and we're disconnected from God on some level. I'm telling you, 10 out of 10 people I speak with have this issue, including myself. It's something, it's human. It's, it, it's a constant work. It is constant work. And if you think that you can just walk out in the woods and have your little moment with God and that's your salvation and you're not working out your salvation, uh, you know, on the horizontal plane of life, I'm telling you, man, you're missing it. You're missing the boat. And so anytime someone comes to me, even in my small groups and, and women's groups that I lead, um, you know, whether I'm speaking with a group of corporate people um, and it takes a, you know, a turn to. You know, how, let's get back to why our bottom line isn't what we think it should be. And we've implemented all of these things. I'm like, yeah, but you're not connecting on some level. Your communication efforts are not connecting with your employees. Somewhere along the line, someone's been offended. Someone has taken offense. But whenever I ask people, have you addressed it directly with the other person without fail? The answer will be no. Well... She's really scary. She's never available. Well, she just doesn't act like she cares. I don't think it matters to him. He's really bossy. He's kind of scary. You know, it's it's always, there's always an excuse attached to why you refuse to go to the source. And usually it's out of fear. And let's face it, it's so much easier to just hold trial in your own head and to, as my producer says, to keep people, you know, on trial in your heart. And some of you, again, you're lying next to the person that needs to be exonerated. So that's why I love this so much. And your kids do, too. And your parents do, too, by the way. Some of you are 50 years old, and your parents are still on trial. When are you, when are you going to look at them and say, you know what? Your drinking problem, your, uh, you know, leaving the family, your gambling addiction— your addiction to religion, your inability to put us first, your anger, your jealousy, 
your shopping habits, you're favoring everyone else in the family over me, me not getting the pony, whatever, you not being able to keep a job, has more to do with what you were struggling with at the time. Oh, boy, this is hitting home. I just had this happen with my daughter just yesterday. It's amazing how the Holy Spirit works. I, oh. I We just had this happen in our family yesterday where my daughter had this giant revelation about something that she has struggled with her whole life, and I had no idea. But what it said to her as a little kid, and she's only had 23 years on the planet so far, but what it said to her as a kid was that she, because of how I reacted to something, and she couldn't come in to help me, that she had she was responsible for why I was reacting the way I was reacting. And and it would and it was um it broke relationship with us. So whenever I go and a lot of parents do this, especially single moms, and I was a single widowed mom, still am. When life would get hard, I didn't have a spouse there. I didn't have anyone there to offset that. So I would go and if I was being hard on myself, boy, here's a message for someone. When I was really being hard on myself, I was really hard on other people around me. And so I would just cave. I would go in. I would go in. And she would see that. And she'd want to come in and get me and be like, where are you going? Like, you're my mom. You're my only parent. You're my lifeline. Like, where are you going? But I would cave and I would just shut her out of it, mainly out of protect. I thought I was protecting her. But what that said to her was that it was her fault. And so I never knew that. Of course, she's a kid. She didn't know it at the time. But a lot of you are living in your own little micro caves. You have families, but you're not really engaged. You don't you don't know what's going on with your kids. You're more concerned about the damn coronavirus. You're more concerned about Nancy Pelosi. You can tell me every single thing about every Democrat in Congress. If I ask you something about your daughter that you might should ought to know, <laughs> there's some verbiage for you today. You can't tell me. You feel somehow that you're encroaching upon your kid's life. But that's actually what you're supposed to be doing. You need to encroach. You need to invade in love and mercy and grace. That keeps your kids healthy. That keeps them from suffering from mental anguish and emotional anguish and things that manifest themselves physically because the body does what? It responds to every. Thing that we feel and think and do. Uh, so I love that grace quote. I hope that you will go to my Facebook page, Monty Matthews, and steal it. Take it. I don't even know who wrote it, but it's really good. So speaking of uh, forgiveness, uh, yesterday the Emmett Till law was finally passed. This is uh, this is interesting to me. I'll tell you what's interesting because I thought, wow, well, that only took 200 years. Um, you know, what, even though this it was like 65 years ago, I think, is when he was murdered, otherwise lynched, okay? And apparent from what I've, you know, from what I'm gleaning from you guys, half of you are like, really? This is what our tax dollars are going to in Congress right now? This is what they choose to focus on? Like, why isn't this, it's murder. It's, it isn't lynching murder? Well, that hasn't always been the case, that it has not been addressed as such. And I, and I get it that people are like, so, what, so what's the difference between a knife, a hammer, a rope, you know, a gun? I mean, murder is murder, right? Here's my thing on this. 
we all know. And you are lying to yourself and the rest of the country. If you don't know that blacks in this country have had one hell of an uphill climb. And lynching was common practice. And so if this piece of legislation, some of you are like, well, it's special class. Sorry, folks. They have been a special class. You know why? Because we brought them over here as a special class. It is a special circumstance. Lynching was something that was actually, it was, it was considered a citizen's arrest. It was just, it was like, hey, an accusation. He with this little boy, 14 years old, black, walking home. This white lady gets a bee in her bonnet and says that he whistled at her. They shoot him in the face. They beat him to death. His mother had an open casket. This blew my mind. I'm reading the story yesterday over to refresh my memory. The mother has an open casket funeral so the whole world could see what they did to her boy. And I don't blame her. That's the reality of what was happening. One accusation could find you hanging from a tree. And I want to say there were over 4,900 lynchings, of which like 1,500, like 3,700 of them were of blacks, um, mostly in the South, um, over a span of, I'm trying to remember the time span. Allie and I were talking about it last night because we were just blown away. And this is why I said to her when she was on my show last, a couple of weeks ago about Brett Kavanaugh, Justice uh, Thomas, people who have been accused of things that somehow in her mind, well, if enough people said it, then, you know, maybe there's some truth to it. I'm like, I'm sorry. <laughs> Do you remember the lynchings? I mean, no. <laughs> no. 20 people could say they've seen you somewhere. Doesn't mean you were there. So boys lost their lives over a false accusation because maybe 20 people in the KKK decided, yeah, yeah, he was there. Our white lady would never lie. I'm sorry, y'all. That was a time in history. So if this is what we'll take to repair some of the brokenness in the country, within the black community to be like, this did happen and it should never happen again, even though we know murder is murder. This was especially egregious and, and fashioned and, and, and executed toward blacks. This act recalls a horrible period in our nation's history. In fact, many could claim that this bill is a century too late. I know that voice. Is that Representative Doug Collins? It is a century too late. But you know what? If we're looking, if we're looking at the meme that I just quoted about grace, and you can look at what it said about someone else more than it said about you, it's never too late to enact grace, especially for yourself. <gasps> so one thing I always tried to do as a hospice volunteer was just make sure that before that person, and people will tell you exactly what it is they're struggling with if you'll listen. But just to make sure that people, you know, if you can let someone off the hook for something, God almighty, just let it go. If they cross over, do you really want them crossing over with that? Just have some grace. 
So I agree with Representative Collins on that. I know some of you are all up in arms and you disagree with me on this. That should not why we're wasting our tax dollars and our time. Well, hell, they've wasted our tax dollars for the past three years. So I'm fine with this. Just do it. Just, you know, for those of you, you're the same ones chanting no reparations. Reparations is a is a hill of beans. Do you realize that if we would just recognize some of the atrocities that were carried out and then actually say no more, like it's in the law, even though we know murder's murder, right? But lynching was especially egregious towards blacks. So if that's the beginning of a reparation, now I'm not talking about white guilt because I don't subscribe to that. I'm talking about a time in the country when there were there was a demographic of people who lived with hatred and fear on a level of the unparalleled of wickedness and evil. And blacks were absolutely the object of their disdain and their murder and their hatred. You cannot deny that. I won't, although I don't know, maybe some of you can't. And you're just so angry about white guilting and being told that your life doesn't matter. Maybe you're the old crusty white guy that everybody's trying to exterminate now. I don't know. And so you've taken the stance that, you know what, wasn't my fault. I wasn't there. I didn't hang anybody. We didn't own cotton fields. What the heck? I understand that, too. But can you put on your grace coat for just a minute and understand that some people have never been educated past every white person you will ever see is out to get you? So could you just be the white person not out of white guilt, out of grace? There's a difference. Could you just be the person who changes their mind, who gives them a different experience? Grace, not guilt. I cannot stress that enough. Okay, what else happened? Sanctuary cities. The DOJ, <laughs> this story, it just, from just a basic principle of we've changed terminology to be undocumented. No, undocumented still means illegal. No matter where I go in the world, if I don't have papers, if I don't have my AKC registry that I'm an American citizen, then I'm what? Illegal. That's not racist. It's not anti-American. It's not phobic. (laughs) It is what it is. I'm not legal. I cannot legally enter into their land. Because why? They have borders. Because that's what makes them a country. Mayor Bill de Blasio said, we'll see President Trump back in court and we will win. (laughs) The prediction followed a federal appeals court decision against the city and seven states over grant money withheld by the Trump administration because of their so-called sanctuary policies. The states and the city do not give immigration and customs enforcement a heads up about undocumented immigrants in their jails. The mayor said withholding the law enforcement grants takes away security funding from the number one terrorist target in America. So I've never understood how an appellate court can dictate to Congress who passed immigration laws and dictate to the Department of Justice who is in place to enforce and carry out those said laws. How is it that an appellate court then rises up to say, nope, nope, we disagree. Nope, that's phobic. That's racist. Nope, that's partisan. What? It was a bipartisan, it was a bicameral decision enacted, signed into law by a president who then has the power to execute it through his various agencies at his disposal that we've agreed to, by the way, America. 
But somehow an appellate court has the authority to stop things like I'm, I'm really kind of surprised that people haven't said that we're being racist. Maybe they have. I don't know about not you know letting people come back into the country who could be deathly ill bringing stuff to us. I've said from the beginning, it's just a good thing that it wasn't a country that has oil <laughs> because we'd be SOL on this one. We'd have all kinds of appellate mess going on. You can't keep them out. It's racist. It's because they're Muslim, isn't it? Nope. Has nothing to do with uh, Muhammad. Has nothing to do with Allah. It's just the fact that they could be carrying something that could kill us. <laughs> so maybe they shouldn't come in. I don't know. But this has always been a bee in my bonnet, honestly. I just don't understand. And some of you are like, well, it's unconstitutional. How is it? It is unconstitutional for the DOJ not to carry out laws that have already been enacted by Congress. So how in the actual hell does our judiciary have the power to stand up and say, nope, we're, we disagree? So now we've had to go through this entire process of, 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 of reassigning an authority that was never not ours. Do you see the parallels in that, too? Like, some of you are like, man, I've given up so much ground as a parent. I don't even know how to get my ground back in my house. It's easy. You just start. That's what you do. You apologize for slacking and for allowing your authority to fall by the wayside and giving it over to your 10 to your 16-year-old. And you get back in the saddle. You get back in the driver's seat, which is exactly what this entire administration has been attempting to do for three years. And can't do it. Without every 10-year-old in Congress standing up to go, but that's not fair. That's not, that's, it's Russia. I mean, we're dealing with children at this point. I love this. It's about time. It should have been the case all along that if you are acting as a sanctuary city on your own and you think you're so autonomous and you're going to be the state's autonomy, then you figure it out financially. We do it with our kids, don't you? I do. Okay, you want to be grown? You want to you want to be able to do what you want to do whenever you want to do it? Um, hope you got a paycheck to be able to fund all of that. I mean, that's basic parenting 101, isn't it? Good parenting anyway, loving parenting anyway. That's governing your home 101. So why would we expect our government to be any different? So I'm sure the planet of New York is like, "What? Whoa, wait a minute. What's going on? What's happening?" But we're, we're going to see you back in court again. I mean, it's just, we live in this perpetual nanny state. Of we're running to the principal's office. And you know what? Fair enough. Maybe it's time for this to make its way to the Supreme Principal's office. For the Supreme Principals to tell us what we already know. That this is immigration law. It is something to be upheld by the Department of Justice. And if you are obstructing the Department of Justice, which God knows the last administration was more like the Department of Injustice for eight years, we're still unraveling that mess. And clearly, we still have bad actors in various agencies. But I tell you what, man, you start cleaning house, people don't like that. I am all on board with this. It is time to clean house, put the walls back up, rebuild the wall, people. That's an Old Testament thing. I want to back up to this, um, to the anti-lynching bill. In a historic vote, this was yesterday, the House of Representatives passed a bill that would make lynching a federal hate crime. The Emmett Till Anti-Lynching Act 
is named after the African-American teenager whose brutal murder in 1955 sparked the civil rights movement. There have been nearly 200 attempts in the House to pass federal anti-lynching legislation, all failing until yesterday. But check this out. 410 House lawmakers in both parties voted for the bill. On the House floor before the vote, Republican Doug Collins, blah, 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 we heard from him. Four, four House members voted against the anti-lynching bill. Independent Representative Justin Amash. Republican Congressman Louie Gohmert. That kind of surprises me, I'm not going to lie. Thomas Massey and Ted Yoho. It still has to clear the Senate. One of the reasons why it's never passed and been signed into law is because it always stalls in the Senate. Now, what some people will tell you is it's because the Senate's been, you know, uh, shrouded with Southern, with such a Southern presence. It's the Republicans' fault. So this would be a time, even though you might think it's a waste of money, if you want, listen, you guys get out there and champion stuff with rainbow flags until the cows come home about special class stuff and women's rights. And all this stuff with these special classes. There's no greater special class in this country than black Americans. Sorry. Again, grace, not guilt. You can't get me on that. You just can't get me. I'm not guilty. I don't live in guilt over slavery. I don't live in guilt over the past. But I live in honest, grace-filled conversation, which is... This was egregious, and it should be considered a federal hate crime. And if you don't think this crap still goes on in some places, then you might live under a rock. Because it does. So it, just like we need a federal gang statute. I mean, that would be amazing. Who's going to champion that? I don't know. Representative Doug Collins. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Senator Kelly Leffler. Maybe. I don't know. It's something that uh, somebody needs to champion for the sake of the safety of American citizens. Okay, I'm out of here until tomorrow. And I'll have Allie on with me tomorrow. If there's anything that you'd like to know from someone who's 23 years old, maybe you live with one of these aliens in your house. I don't know. Maybe they're 20, 16. My daughter is like a vat of wisdom. She's very level-headed, lots of fun, a little sassy. Imagine that. But she'll be on with me tomorrow and we'd love to hear from you. You can tune in live. We'll be on live streaming at 11 a.m. on Periscope and Facebook Live. Uh, you can catch me at Monica on Air Talk on Twitter. I'm out of Twitmo. I've been out of Twitmo for about a week, so hopefully I'll stay out of Twitmo. Monty Matthews on Facebook, M-O-N-I-M-A-T-T-H-E-W-S. iTunes, Stitcher, sign up for my newsletters at monicamatthews.com. Be good to your neighbor beginning with yourself. And remember, if you're an American, act like one.